Well, amen. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 11, you find your place there, and I'm going to join you in just a moment. Matthew chapter 11. Well, I'm so thankful the last couple weeks for those who have filled the pulpit, um, for Stephen uh, Vaughn coming to be with us and uh, preaching to us while I was away in Guatemala, and then last week for Dylan uh, opening God's Word to us. So thankful for both of those men and uh, the messages they brought to us, and uh, I know they were a tremendous encouragement. I actually just got done listening to Stephen's message this week out mowing grass, and uh, he did a tremendous job and such a great reminder to us about hope and our hope in the Lord um, and uh, things in life that shouldn't distract us from our hope. And so this morning, you've turned in your gospel of Matthew, in your Bible there, to Matthew chapter 11. We will stand and read it in just a moment, and I'll join you there. Hope you'll find your place but, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, been a lot going on. Uh, been a, been a, can you believe it? How are we at the end of July? <laughs> I'm just looking at the calendar saying, wow, the days in the calendar just seem to be going by so quickly. And, uh, of course, last week now, not this week, but last week, uh, I was in Guatemala with a team of eight from our church, and uh, the Lord did some pretty exciting things. And we had uh, quite a crazy experience, at least on the Saturday, getting home and Thought we'd never get here, and uh, airports. Any of you love airports? I mean, I don't know if anybody just loves an airport. I, I'm thankful for the ability to fly. I'm thankful, uh, although I realize I'm not a fan of flying myself. I, 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 I'll fly, but there's something about taking off and landing. When we landed in Guatemala, I thought the plane was going back up before it went down. I mean, uh, we hit the runway and literally bounced, and I thought, I, I, I grabbed onto the seat right there, and a college student sitting next to me, she's like, are you okay? I was like, I don't know. I thought we weren't going to make it, you know, for a second, just bracing for impact, you know. But we were in the airport on Saturday uh, leaving Guatemala City, and uh, the team was rushing in to get to the airport, go through uh, checking your bags, then getting into security, and then finally getting to the gate. No one wants to miss a flight heading home. And uh, we make our way through the airport, showed our passport, and, uh, and the team's just kind of rushing in to get to the ticket counter. And so Doug and Nancy were leading the team. Everybody's kind of filing through, and, and Courtney was bringing up the rear. Is Courtney here this morning? I don't see her. Okay, well, we can, she can be part of the message. So Court, Courtney was bringing up the rear, and I kind of look back. I said, where's Courtney? And, and there she is in the distance, and she has a backpack and another bag, and she's carrying a duffel bag, you know, and she just has all this luggage trying to, you know, get into the airport. And I said, here, here, let me have your bag. And I, I took her bag from her and I was like, wow, this thing's heavy. You know, we're going to the airport. I was like, does this thing not have wheels on it? She says, oh yeah, it, it has wheels, but it's just easier to carry it, you know? And I think about that because I think about the passage we're going to be in this morning. And, and what, what stood out to me actually the last week as I was traveling is I'm convinced if you watch people in an airport, it's a profound picture of the souls of men and women carrying a lot of heavy burdens. Uh, it's interesting to me to just sit back and look at an airport and people rushing through the airport, people running through the airport, carrying their luggage, hurrying and rushing, heading on to the next thing. And a lot of us don't take the time to examine our soul and discover if our souls are in a good place. You know, we were talking about this morning in a meeting that I was in, the difference between character and reputation. 
You see, reputation is what you have on the outside. Character is what you have internally. And we're living in a day and age where people are very consumed about the externals. People are very concerned about what people think of them. People are concerned of how they look. But I would say very often we do not take the time to examine our own soul and to give it the rest that it is longing for. We're like those frantic people just hurrying through an airport, carrying all the baggage and burdens of life, hurrying and rushing to get to the very next thing, and we're missing out on rest. And now, I'm not talking about a rest that comes from vacation or a rest that comes from taking a nice Sunday drive in the country or, or a rest that you guys enjoy going out into the woods in deer season. I'm not talking about the rest that comes from finishing something or finishing an assignment or graduating from high school or entering into retirement. I'm talking about a rest for our souls, a far deeper rest. I think if we're honest, we really long for that. There is an incredible uh, disparity in, in our culture today with the amount of busyness and the amount of rushing and the amount of performance and the amount of outward uh, recognition that we end up not doing very well to take care of our souls. You know, there is this thing that, um, and it's been called different things throughout the centuries, but uh, soul care, that that may not ring well with you. I I understand that may be a term that is different, but but this idea that you and I have been given a soul, that, that we are not just bodies, but we are body, mind, and spirit. There is an immaterial part of us that, that longs for true rest. It longs for meaning. It longs for uh, a sense of purpose. And oftentimes in life, we can get so busy, we can get so hurried, we can carry all the burdens that we find our souls really weary. And I wonder this morning, you're here, and if I were to ask you this morning just to take a second to to diagnose your soul, if you were to go and and, and get like a, you know, an MRI as you were of your life and just think about the parts of you that no one can see, would would, would, would you say that your soul is weary today? I'm not talking about mental weariness. I'm not talking about physical exhaustion. I'm I'm not talking about emotional fatigue. I'm talking about something far deeper than that. I'm I'm talking about your soul. I'm I'm talking about the, the, the part of you that no one can see. You know, Augustine in his confessions described it this way. He said, Lord, you have made us for yourself. Our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. You see, there is a restlessness of the soul. And and, and some of us this morning, we're like those people going through the airport, hurried, rushed, busied, where we're holding on to every possible burden. And there's a restlessness, there's a weariness in our life. And in that, Jesus offers us something. I want you to see it this morning. It's found in Matthew's gospel, beginning in verse 28. Would you stand to your feet as we read this? We're going to read three verses this morning, and I I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to deal with burden. Dealing with burden. How how, how do you deal with the burdens in life? Notice Jesus tells us. Verse 28, Jesus extends to us this invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what's the next word? 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find, what's the next word? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning we're going to talk about dealing with burden. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise that you extend to us. Lord, for some of us this morning, we are carrying heavy burdens, souls that are just worn down. Lord, help them to find true rest. God, take us to what it is we need to see in your word this morning. By your spirit, we pray that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. In this particular passage, we find that Jesus has been rejected as the Messiah. Jesus has been not only rejected as the Messiah by the religious leaders, he has in fact been rejected by some cities altogether. And Jesus and his message have been completely rejected because at this time in in the Jewish life, they were living under a very strict set of rules that were laid down for them by the Pharisees, by the teachers of the law. You see, they were not just living under the law of God in the Old Testament, but these Pharisees and teachers of the law had added to God's word. They had added to God's law more man-made rules and that these were things that were on the the burdens and backs of people to keep these things. Uh, Some Bible scholars have said that they added upwards of 600 plus more laws to the Old Testament. And as you can just imagine, I mean, some of us are here today and we struggle to even remember the Ten Commandments let alone keep 600 plus law in addition to the law of God in the Old Testament. And so the people were just so weighed down, they were so dominated by this false expectation of what they thought that God expected. They, they were told that God expected these certain things that were completely false. It was not what he had said in his word. They were, they were man-made rules. They were man-made traditions that had been added to the word of God. And so if you just imagine the people who were trying to keep all of these rules and regulations, what a, what, a, what a taxing burden that must have felt like. What a weight that must have been. Always feeling like you could never measure up. I, I don't know if you're here this morning and that's you, but, but you say, man, I, I just feel like I can never measure up to what it is that God is expecting of me. I, I, I don't know if I can actually fulfill what it is he's asking and, and what he's commanding and what he's, what he's leading me in. And so maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, you know, pastor, I, I feel under an incredible spiritual burden. Notice this, that was the situation that Jesus is speaking to and these false Religious leaders were overburdening the people. They were overbearing and overburdening. They were overloading the people. In the 23rd chapter of Matthew's gospel, you've turned to Matthew 11. Turn with me now just a few pages in your Bible. Uh, Let me hear the pages in your Bible turning to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Do you have the verses there, guys, overhead? Matthew 23, beginning in verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. The scribes of the Pharisees sit at... Uh, Jesus is saying this. They, they sit on Moses' seat. And so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. Notice, for they preach, but they do not practice. They preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move 
move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. You see, the, the, the issue in the religious leaders of Jesus' day is they were so concerned about their public perception that they were not uh, developing the inward character of what God would have them to. Notice there was this great disconnect, and in that they were preaching what they were not practicing and the people were also feeling the weight of all this as well. And so it is to these people. You see, Jesus has been already rejected by these religious leaders. But now Jesus turns in this passage. His eye is to the multitudes. His eye is to individuals. And he just gives them this invitation. I love it. He says, come to me. Come. Come to me. We see a couple things that Jesus invites us to do in this passage. The first we see is this, in verse 28, to embrace the invitation that Jesus offers. To embrace the invitation that Jesus offers. Notice he says, come to me. Come. It's, it's a very simple word, but it's full of meaning. How many of you in this room are pet owners? Can I see your hand? Now, we've done this years ago, but I'm interested to see how things have changed over the years. How many of you are dog lovers? Can I see your hand? Dog lovers? They, hold them up real high. Be proud of that. Be proud of that. Okay. How many of you are the cat lovers? Can we see your hand? Whoa. It's growing. It's growing. I don't know. I'm not a cat lover, and you know this about me. Dogs are loyal. Dogs are loyal. Cats eat people, okay? Like this, let's clarify this once and for all. Cats, dogs are loyal. And uh, except for, how many of you have found trouble with your furry friend to come? How, how many of you, that, 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 that's a challenge uh, in your household? Yeah, it is in our household. We got a big old golden doodle. He's, uh, he's, he's like the largest dog, but he's so tiny. He, he, the dog part, he stands above all these other dogs, but he's only 44 pounds. He just has these really thin legs. And, but uh, man, we're, we're working on that. I mean, it's a constant battle. I, Jessica probably will tell you I'm not working as hard as I should. But um, you know, when, when you want an animal or a dog to come, you want it immediate, right? You, you want them to leave whatever else they're pursuing. Often they're going after another cat. They're going after food. They're going after a person. You're like, come, you know? You, you, want, them, you want them to leave what they're pursuing and to, to take this alternate course. You really want them to turn around. That's, that's what Jesus is, is inviting people to do here. He says, come. He's, he's giving them this invitation to turn you know, before you can follow Jesus in your life, you must first come to know Jesus. You must first come to him. He says in this verse, come to me. Jesus is saying that to some of us this morning, to, 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 to leave what it is that you're pursuing and to come to him, to pursue him. This is all repentance and faith in coming to Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, after shortly moving here to Catawba and pastoring here, I had a conversation with a young man one day, sharing with him the gospel and talking to him about the Lord and, and, and just walking through the gospel with him. And, and I'll never forget that at the end of that conversation, we, we get to the point where I asked him if he would like to receive and trust Jesus Christ as his Savior. And this young man, he said to me this, he said, yeah, I really understand what you're saying, but, but maybe later. Actually, in fact, one day when I have kids, I think then I'll make it a priority. You know how tragic that, that we will put off coming to Christ. How tragic that we would put off coming to the Lord for thinking that we have 
tomorrow. The Bible's very clear. We do not know what tomorrow will bring, right? We only have today. And today, Jesus is inviting you. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is commanding you to come, to come. It's a simple invitation to come to Jesus. Turn to your neighbor right now and just tell him, come to Jesus. Just come. It's so simple, isn't it? Yet there's so much that stands in the way of of us taking that step toward Christ. Notice here, uh, Jesus invited the multitudes to come. He's not asking them to come tomorrow. He's not telling them to come next year. He's not telling them to come when they feel like their life's in a place where they need him. He's not telling them to come when they're ready. He's not telling them to come when they're worthy. You see, none of us are worthy to come to Christ. Apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, apart from the grace of God, none of us measure up. None of us are worthy. But Jesus here invites, he says, come. It's this invitation to leave what you're going after and to come to him. The Bible says now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see, Jesus wanted them to come to him. He wanted them to experience this true rest for their souls. And notice what Jesus is saying here is so clear to us. He, he is offering them something for this busyness and hurriedness of life. Jesus is offering them something for, for, for that turmoil that exists in their soul. You know, see, some of us just think if we had another vacation, things would get in place, right? Some of us are just like, if I could take a week off of work and somehow get my life in order, then, but that doesn't happen, does it? I mean, some of us think, well, we just need a family vacation. If we can just get to the beach and then come back. How many of you have been to the beach and come back and realized that life is the same, right? So it's not that. It's, it, it's, it's not the possessions in life. Wow, we are so hauling up in this, so caught up in this. I came back from Guatemala the other week, and I just told Jessica again, I said, there's just something about the simplicity of life in a third world country. And although I, I know there's so much that stands in difference in terms of material, somehow we have built and treasured and valued to the point of of missing what we think life is all about. Rest is not found in our accomplishments. It's not found in the life we build for ourselves. Only Jesus Christ alone can satisfy our souls. Only Jesus can give us this true rest. Notice he gives us this invitation, come to me. But we say, well, who is it for? Who is, who is he inviting? Notice the next word. Someone tell me the next word of verse 28. How many? Say it again. All. Jesus is offering this to all. Come unto me, all who are labored and heavy laden. The word labor there, it's this idea to be tired or exhausted. Any of you there this morning? Heavy laden, burdened. This, this idea of loading up, being loaded up. We were, we were traveling on one day of being in Guatemala. We had the privilege to travel a couple hours outside the city to the Fugo volcano. It is an, it is an active, live volcano. And uh, while we were driving up to the thing, it was like smoldering and going off. It was like, and, and, and we were traveling there. And, uh, and I'll never forget that day, we're on the road and we're traveling up the mountain and we're going to this medical clinic and earlier in the week we had been serving some people in another place of the city and, and we were telling them, that, oh yeah, the next day we're going to this medical clinic, it's up in the volcanoes and one of the local news reporters looked at me and he said, well, you know why this doctor goes to the mountains there to the volcanoes and, and you know why there's no other medical assistance up there, don't you? I said, 
Well, no, why? He says, because it's dangerous. Nobody wants to be out there, right? And so we're driving our team, and the, the mountain's just smoldering. I was like, it's going to be an eventful day, right? And we're driving down the road on this dirt road, and all of a sudden, coming down the road is this 18-wheeler flatbed, and it is piled up with cement blocks, like so high, so wide, and I look over at the missionary, and my eyes must have been like this big, and he looks at me, he says, yeah, weight restrictions aren't a thing in Guatemala, you know? That, that, that to me is the image of this burden and heavy laden. It's this idea that, that, that you're over capacity, you're burdened beyond capacity, you're, 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 you're in the red zone. And notice to those people, Jesus says, come, come. Those who are laboring and heavy burden. Can I ask you a question this morning, friend? What is it you're burdened by? What are you burdened with? What are you burdened with today that nobody knows? But you're burdened with it. It's the thing you think about when you wake up in the morning. You, you carry it all day long. And you go to bed at night, and it's still on your shoulder. And it could be something tied to your family. Maybe it's something tied to your work. It could be a fear, an all-consuming fear. It doesn't fear just get a hold of us and not let us go? And, 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 and giving in to one fear seems to just engulf us with more fear. Maybe it's a challenge of a strained relationship. It could be the guilt of sin. The psalmist says, he said, for my iniquities, my sins have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Maybe that's you this morning. Your sins feel like a crushing burden. In fact, Jesus here in this passage has in mind the burden and the heavy laden burden is what the Pharisees were putting on people. But in many ways, we could look at that and say that it is also in some sense the, the, the picture of sin in the Old Testament and, and, and the, the idea that all of us are, under, are, are, are in sin and the law shows us. God's law in the Old Testament shows that, that all of us are guilty. Paul lays that out in Romans. He says, for there is none righteous, no, not one, right? So, so if we would somehow think that we are better than someone else, Paul would lay that flat and say, well, wait a second, none of us are righteous before God. If we've sinned in one way, we're guilty of all the law, and, and it's just this incredible crushing weight. Who can live up to that? Who can measure up to that? And it is to those people that Jesus is saying, come to me. He's, he is giving them notice this. He wants them to embrace this invitation to, to come to him, to give your burden to Jesus. You see, giving your burden to Christ, giving, laying your burden at the Lord's feet is not somehow uh, taking that burden and making it any less heavy. It's still weighty. Uh, going back to the airport uh, in Guatemala, and I was carrying Courtney's bag, and this thing is incredibly heavy. Mine was heavier, okay? <laughs> but it had wheels, right? Like, if I were to put that thing down on the ground and pull out the thing and then, then drag it on the wheels, did that change the weight of the bag, yes or no? I mean, it doesn't change the weight of what's in it, but it changed the way of how it feels, right? You see, see the weight... 
bringing our burdens to the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't change the, the bigness of it, the, the challenge of it, the, the weight of it, but, 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 but the, the weight of it's now been distributed in a different way. Notice we'll see that here this morning in the analogy that Jesus gives. He says, notice, notice the promise, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you, what's the word? Rest. Rest. Jesus is promising us rest. Job says that there's a, there's a rest in death. He says, the wicked shall cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus isn't talking about a rest in death. He's talking about a rest in life. He's talking, about a, he's talking about experiencing a kind of life that is different than the way that many people live. He's offering us soul rest. Just, just take a deep breath in with me this morning. Can you do this? There's just something in that release of just being at peace, being at rest. But, but, but Jesus is offering us a soul rest. Rest. He is the good shepherd who makes his sheep rest. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Aren't you thankful we have a good shepherd that does that? All, all of us could probably attest to the fact that it's not convenient when it feels like the Lord wants us to lay down and rest. But it's needful. Jesus knows something about us. He knows something about our souls. He knows something more than you know. He knows that we need rest. And notice the word rest here is this idea of refreshment. It's this idea of ceasing from labor. It's the idea of having this incredible heavy backpack and just laying it down. It's the picture of a farmer who will not... Uh, sow seed and, and produce crops in the ground so that the ground can lay rest. It, it's the picture here of, 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 of a commander who has just been driving and leading his troops uh, over a period of days and he gets to the place where he commands everybody just to set up tent and to rest. It's just this idea that we're just stopping the labor and we are allowing our souls to rest. Jesus is promising rest for the soul. So notice, what does this mean for us? Three things. First, to embrace it, to embrace this gift that Jesus would offer. But secondly, notice what it means for us. Verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Secondly, we must submit to the assignment that Jesus commands. I think Luke has a picture for us this morning. It's a picture of a yoke. Now, I understand all of you in like how many of you, that's a new thing to you? Can I see your hand? Anybody that's new? How many? Okay, you all seen this before? All right, a couple new guys. All right. So, so this is a yoke. Now, I, this probably is not a good picture of the one they used in Bible times, but you see, a yoke was this um, instrument that would be used for the animals. It was this uh, wooden-like structure, and on the back, it had this beam. Most, most um, yokes you find have this beam, this heavy beam that runs across, and those two holes there are for animals to kind of put their neck through. And so often this would be used with oxen or things like that. And, and the idea is that two is better than one. The idea is that um, uh, they, are, they will produce twice as much energy. They'll pull twice as much a load. And, and, and so when this yoke would be taken out and placed on the neck of an animal, the animal understood that, 
Work was about to happen, all right? Uh, there was a task. There was something that had to be done. And notice what Jesus is saying here. Notice, look down your Bible in verse 29. He says, take my yoke. You see, this is something that we don't really understand, but in Jesus' day, in a very agrarian society, they would understand well what Jesus was talking about. And, 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 in, and in that day, probably same as in our own, that, that what farmers would do with these yokes is that if they had a, a younger newer animal to train, they would take that animal and they would pair it up with an older, more experienced, more strong animal. And that, that together as they would work and the younger would learn as this older one is experienced, they would learn how to work through the task. Now here's the thing. The reality this morning is what Jesus is saying is that every one of us are wearing a yoke. You didn't know that, did you? Walked in the room this morning, every one of us have an invisible yoke on, nobody sees it. We're all in a yoke of something. You see, some people are burdened and they're dominated by that yoke. Some people are under a yoke of substance. Some people are dominated under the yoke of pornography. For some this morning, yours might be a yoke of pride. Maybe it's a yoke of envy. The question is, though, this morning, you came in, and you didn't realize it, but you had this yoke on your neck. You had this burden of something that you were carrying, and the fact is, nobody sees it, but you know it. The fact is, nobody else can tell you what it is, but you know it. We, we, we all understand that there's a weight that sometimes we go through life with that's just this crushing burden for you, and you see what Jesus is saying? He says, then take my yoke upon you. I mean, it's kind of as if like, wait, 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 this seems like a bait and switch, you know? Like, wait, I'm taking off my yoke to get another yoke, right? Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, let me take your yoke and break it, and then let me give you my yoke to wear. You say, well, who's, who's in the other side? If, if I'm, go, going back to the picture, Luke, if, if I'm on one side, then who's in the other side of the yoke with me? Someone tell me. What is Jesus offering? Who, who's on the other side? He is. You see, Jesus wants to, he wants you to come into his yoke. Jesus wants you to come in to his yoke. He, he wants to give you a burden. He wants to give you something, but notice the words. Go back to verse 29, notice the, or verse 30. Notice, notice the description of Jesus' yoke. He says, my yoke is what? Easy and my burden is what? Some of you are like, wait, but it's a yoke. Like, how is that? How is a yoke easy? How is, how is a burden light? Because when he's in the other side, Jesus is the one who gives us the strength to obey. When I'm in the yoke with him, I'm learning to trust him. I'm allowing him to learn. I'm, I'm learning of him. And he's teaching me. And Jesus is inviting us. He says, hey, come to me. Let me break your old yoke. Come into my yoke, for my burden is easy and light. And you say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus just wants me to attach myself to him. He just wants me to, to, to be a part of that. And here's the thing. We, Jesus has a task for us. Here's the, here's the thing that's really heavy on my heart. Church, God has responsibility for you. He has, he has work for you to do in the Christian life. He has work for you to do in your own life. He has work for you to do for him. 
And, and, and coming to Christ is not freedom of responsibility. You see, our, our society would teach that, that, that our, our society would say that true freedom is freedom from responsibility. It, it's in the idea of doing my own thing. It's doing whatever I want. No, the Bible would say, and Jesus would say, that true freedom in life is submitting to his desires. True freedom in life is doing what God has created you to do. And I'm just telling you here this morning, you will be miserable in life until you recognize what it is that God's called you, what it is he's equipped you with, what he has burdened you to do. There's freedom when you serve the Lord. There's freedom when you labor for the master. And notice here is all of that Jesus is saying. And he says in verse 29, he says, take my yoke. And then the second thing is, what are we to do? Someone tell me. Say it louder. Say it even louder. Learn. Learn. This word learn is the word from which we get our English word disciple. It's not just the idea of learning information, it's learning through experience. You get it? As you're in the yoke with Jesus, you are learning of him. You're walking through life, you're going through life and the experiences of life and things that God wants to teach you and show you and, and shape you. It's not intellectual information, it's, it, it's, it's your life and his life in the same yoke. Look, I, I'm telling you what, the Lord so challenged me about this recently. For us to learn of him. Well, we, some of us want the easy route. Some of us want the easy route. When we were going through the airport this past week, and you're in the long terminal, you can choose to walk, or you can choose the escalator. How many of you like the escalator? Can I see your hand? Yeah, why not? Long way, gotta go, step on, it's easy. Some of, us are, some of us have that mentality in our Christian life. We come to know the Lord as our Savior. We say, I'm headed to heaven. Jump on the escalator. Here we go. Jesus doesn't do escalators. Jesus wants you to take the stairs. Right? Jesus wants you to put an effort. Jesus wants you to take steps. Jesus wants you to grow. Jesus wants you to be developed. We all have areas to grow in. Amen? Amen? It's easy to see the areas for growth in other people than in our own selves. No, God wants us all to learn of him, to grow in our relationship with Christ. And notice, notice the last thing here. This is discipleship that finally we enjoy. We enjoy the benefits that Jesus gets. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is not overbearing. He is not burdensome. You say, why am I supposed to do that? Why, why would I break whatever has me under its control and put myself willingly submitting to the desires of someone else? And you're saying, pastor, that that's freedom? Yeah. Do you know why? Because there's something about Jesus out of all the things we know about Jesus, I want you to think right now, what do you know about God? What do you, what do you know about God? If you had to turn to your neighbor right now in 30 seconds or less, tell them what you know about God, what would you say? I think a lot of us would say, oh, he's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of grace, he, he's the almighty. We, we would say things like that. But you know what the word that Jesus uses to describe himself? Jesus says, I am what? What did he say? How did Jesus describe himself? I am what? Gentle and what? Gentle. 
lowly in heart. Jesus is gentle and humble. Jesus says, pride I resist. But I have grace for the humble. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is gentle. You know, you know what that tells me? If I'm going to put myself in the yoke with Christ and he's going to give me a new burden and he promises his burden is light, do you know what I can trust? I can trust. I can trust that whatever yoke the Lord puts on me is good and right. Because of who he is. He's gentle. You know what Jesus doesn't do with our burdens? Doesn't make light of them. Jesus doesn't dismiss them. Jesus doesn't look at them and say, come on. You battle, you deal, oh, come on. Uh Uh-uh. Hey, let me take your bag. Let, 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 Let me carry a little bit of that. Let's, let's get in this yoke and, and take all your burden and, and let it be equally distributed. You're going to have to put in some effort, but, 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 but you can trust me. You can trust me. I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will, here's the promise, find rest for your souls. My friend, trust the burden that God gives. Some of us today are here, and we're under another yoke. And you found it to be miserable. You know the hurriedness and busyness of life. You know the chaos of running. You know the idea of trying to carry your own burden. And some of you have carried it long enough. And as your pastor and friend this morning, I just look at you and say, give it to Jesus. Lay it down. Give it to him. Trust his assignment and enjoy the benefits of what he's going to give you. Quit doing it in your own effort, but let him do it through you. Would you do it this morning? Do you want to do that today? Father, I pray right now for every person here, we'd be people that see this tremendous promise that you are giving. Fact is, Lord, some of us just want to keep on carrying our burden. We We think we can do better than you can. But then we're amazed when we find ourselves overburdened and we just need to let go. We just need to give it to you. We need to allow your spirit, Lord, you to bear the weight. Lord, you have a heart that is for us. And right now, Lord, you you care for us. You you want us to succeed. Lord, you don't want us to be overwhelmed and overburdened. Or do you want us to experience true rest? Or to help us today to take a step into your yoke, help us to learn. Or help us see we're not absolved of responsibility. We got effort, we got work. But there's a lot of benefit, there's a lot of joy. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this message from your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Or he's going to play a song of response and this morning would you just bow your head and close your eyes right there take some personal moments to pray there's some people i got a number of prayer cards up here this front that people have put in a prayer card of course you know mary mysick is home from the hospital day 
Kevin Compton's recovering. You know that um, some are traveling today. You got VBS. There's a lot of things to pray about. Would you just come down front this morning? Maybe you want to enter into a time of prayer for one of these cards. Maybe right there in your seat this morning, you just want to kneel and pray. But here's the thing. The people that Jesus talked to in this passage, he gave them an invitation. He gave them an opportunity. And Jesus is giving the one to you today. What will you do with it? How will you answer the master who says, come?